What's up, guys? Welcome to the Velbeer Show. Today with me, I have Noah Bissell. One, two, one, two, three, go! Hey, 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 fill it up, fill it up, hey, 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 fill it up, fill it up, hey, 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 fill it up, fill it up, hey, hey, hey. Uh, one of the co-founders of Bissell Brothers, brewing out of Portland, Maine, which is on my list of beer uh, places to visit in the U.S. Like, I think it's at the top of my list right now. Noah, it's great having you on, man. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Jared. This is, uh, yeah, really cool. Yeah, man. And I feel like Portland, like when I think Portland, Maine, I just think of like beautiful, like New England coast, like just... I've heard it's a super awesome place. There's a, one of my friends, he's a big, uh, like mountain biker and he mm -hmm. was, he was out there and he said, it's just a, a beautiful place. Yeah. I, you know, obviously a Homer, but, um, it's true, you know, like there's a reason it, it is, it's Maine's called vacation land. And I moved, I'm from kind of more rural Northern Maine, my brother and I, and I moved here in 2012 and even, you know, over that nine years, it's been pretty crazy to see how, the city has just kind of matured in all the the right ways it seems like for just yeah it just continues to get cooler yeah, <laughs> and he, and kinda, it, yeah. he, he kind of like labeled it as like a like a laid-back boston kind of like it like it has like the good good you know food and beverage scene good art scene but doesn't it's not very pretentious like it's very easygoing mellow just a, a good vibe yep absolutely and and uh in terms of like mountain biking like that it's I would say probably the the biggest advantage it has over Boston in uh, is you can wake up and surf in the morning and then still catch uh, the afternoon on ski slopes. Yeah, that's so it's, it's like it's that condensed. So yeah, <laughs> and you guys are probably it's probably pretty uh, beautiful there right now. You're probably getting some fall colors. Yeah, foliage is popping. Um, probably about the same same for you right yeah it's kind of lagging a little bit i had like a couple massive trees in our front yard they just like dropped all their really annoying like they're not even leaves they're like i don't even know what refuse yeah and uh and that's like the only one everything else is still green it's like uh 72 it's an unbelievable day here today Damn. but uh but yeah we're kind of in this in the same same boat of of, of having all four seasons and, and a lot of stuff to do but you guys probably take the cake there being uh, on the water i'm, I'm envious <laughs> of that yeah yeah i see uh i see you have a a beer there in your hand yeah to be honest i didn't even i just i swear to god this wasn't even intentional Aha, Founders <laughs> Porter. Nice. Was, I, Dude, that's a great that's a great porter right there. It's so good. And uh there's um there's this gas station around the corner. I was like, I should obviously, you know, work at a brewery, but sometimes you don't feel like drinking your own beer at the end of the Hey, I'll do, um, I'll do that for you, man. Do it for me. Yeah, yes. I got, I got a, a glass uh, of uh of substance. Sorry. Great. Uh, Starting with the flagship. Dude, and it's yeah, you could just sit here, I could just keep just smelling this beer till, till the last <laughs> like that's such a nice nose on the beer thank you man thank you that was uh like, like i was telling you before we started recording um about two years from kind of like hey do you want to maybe do this i was i was a senior in college and my brother was a professional photographer and um kind of right after that it was i would say every other homebrew was substance. It was some version of substance and tweaking that uh, pretty aggressively at that time. And then um, even by the time we opened, um, I don't think we brewed another beer for like nine months. Um, we only had two tanks and it was just uh, extremely intimate relationship with that beer. And even now today, it's still 60%, uh, something like that of what we make. 
That's your baby, man. That's, it is. That, that's, that's your original baby. And yeah. so like, uh, what's the genesis of this or has it like stayed pretty true to form over the years? Or do you guys, you know, throw a little tweaks in every now and then? Um, I'm a big, a big proponent of, of conscientious tweaking, huge proponent of that. There's very much like the homebrew in me, I guess, has yeah, never really left. It's boring. <laughs> it's, it gets boring if you don't, right? Like, yes. Like you yep. take, you take your favorite recipe and it's like, what do I do to just make it a little bit better? Like, yep. And as, as long as I think you're, I, I've made the mistake millions of times, but tweak kind of without proper channels to evaluate what that did. Um, <laughs> you know, cause it can be so easy to be like, Oh, well, Oh, if I'm doing this, I'll, I'll change the mash temp too. And then, yeah, maybe I have this extra yeast. I'll use this new yeast too. So then it's like, you can't even really trace back, um, good or bad, the results. But I would say over that nine months, that initial nine months, um, damn near every batch was something was a little bit different so with all that tweaking kind of behind us nowadays we don't mess with it much every maybe six months i'll kind of maybe i read something new or or taste it and just it hits me in a weird way where then kind of we'll go back to the drawing board but yeah not, nowadays all the tweaks are are comparatively minute yeah what's the biggest difference drinking it now and then rewinding in your head Mm. You know, almost, I mean, you've been brewing this, how, when was the first time you ever brewed this? <laughs> Even as a uh, brewer, like when was the first time you did this recipe? Probably a, a more or less that, that I kind of think of it as like concept has always stayed there, but then sort of what goes into that concept has changed. I would say the, the, the most noticeable difference would definitely be we started, I started home brewing and then the brewery opened using Chico. And now we use um, American Ale 2, which is just okay. will give a, yeah, a little more uh, complex fermentation profiles. So the yeast profile is a little bit different. Earlier, it was just three hops. Well, one of the, I've told this story a bunch of times, but like in 2012 and that era and just being an ignorant home brewer, hop contracts really caught me completely off guard because I had, you know, big plans to make this a big citrus Simcoe, uh, Simcoe Bob, and then was almost like laughed at by the hop rep when I first called. Um, it was like, yeah, in three years you can get this. So what immediately had to go back to the drawing board and and came across this this hop blend that was kind of new at the time from hop union called falconer's flight yeah. which is built was built at the time for people exactly like me <laughs> who could who couldn't get their hands on citra or um i think there's like nine kind of c-ish hops that go into it so falconer's flight is sort of been the backbone of it through and through and then i would say like earlier on it was definitely it's it's still i think quite dank but it was dank uh like there was a lot of about equal thirds falconer's flight simcoe and apollo early on and then over time probably the biggest thing is is toning the or at least refining maybe that that dank character and leaning more towards like kind of not anything one note but more in that floral fruity direction yeah i get it. i'm definitely getting everything that you just threw out there and it's it it's it, oh man it smells so good and it tastes really good too. Uh, so you guys are using an American Ale two yeast. How are you guys? Uh, you know, because it would you classify this as a haze? I mean, it's it's got a, a pretty good haze in there, but you're not using a a London variety, uh, right? Uh, we just just add um, we just add flour to the kettle. That's okay. it. No, no, I'm just kidding. Oh, right. Early on. All right. I'm not going to press him on that one. He's making, <laughs> no. I guess it's early on. Uh, no. When we switched, like, cause early, like we, we changed yeast maybe in 2014, I want to say. And, and then new England, the, 
New England IPA was really just still getting a lot of hate and a lot of shit. It wasn't, hadn't yeah. really been fully accepted. So immediately got kind of those comments a lot. Yeah. So it really just the, the, it's still a pretty clean profile, certainly cleaner than like a lot of the popular English strains. But once you're in a commercial setting, it's changing your yeast is like a big, big deal, you know, because yeah. you, you're kind of every, you're always reharvesting and, it's hard to accurately do pilots to kind of evaluate it too, because it's just going to perform differently uh, on on scale. Yeah, pretty pretty standard. Uh, I guess to get back to this, I have a tendency to get off. Um, pretty pretty standard uh, fermentation profile, and yeah, the 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 haze is more or less permanent. Yeah, I I have not seen a clear substance. Uh, once a year, we do we do what's called OG substance. And we do okay. basically kind of that homebrew recipe. Pay homage to um, the, uh, to yes, the yeah, yeah. So that. other than that, I have not seen cl a clear glass of substance in a very long time. <laughs> awesome. And that, uh, that, that double mosaic was, was super tasty too. And then, you know, that, and you guys sent over, uh, the, the brown ale was, was mm. really hitting the spot. Uh, I had, oh, yeah. I had a fire going in my backyard, had nice. a brown ale. It was sweatshirt weather. Like, yeah, I was like, man, seasonal beer is here. Like the, uh -huh. something about a brown ale in the fall tastes so good. And that brown ale was yeah. really well done. Like it, it was Thanks, just man. so, so clean and smooth. And there was nothing cloying about it. Cause sometimes, mm -hmm. sometimes, you know, you think brown ale and immediately, at least in my head, what pops in is like, ah, oh, it's going to make Maybe they've like too much like caramely flavor with a for sure big body, but it was super drinkable. Had like the perfect amount of you know touch of roast to it, but just really really nice beer. Thanks a lot, man. Yeah, it's been uh, as a brewer like you know home brewing like I had said like probably every other batch of substance, and then who knows what the you know other <laughs> alternating batch was. As when we got it was kind of underestimated how actually how big of a um, thirst there was for hoppy beer and you kind of by just nature of that had to kind of it was it's only been recently that we could even justify brewing something like that i guess i'm saying which i think maybe is hopefully signs of people being open to a wider range of styles because i like i love to brew a wide range of styles so it's it's nice to be able to actually like justify brewing a brown ale when pete would have uh laughed in my face if i <laughs> threw that out a few years ago well you guys i'm sure you guys have built a lot of trust with with uh, your consumers you know you guys have built a very reputable brewery so i'm sure people are eager to try whatever you're putting out which is nice you know gives you the foot in the door with the with the uh the consumer. for sure so for sure you know they'll at least try it and uh yeah they'll, they'll probably i'm sure you know like any brewery you'll get pretty honest feedback from, from people <laughs> and <laughs> yeah it's a nice way to put it <laughs> yes what was the first beer that you ever brewed as a home brewer um i was just talking about this the other day i think it was um it was very much like a clone kit i you know ex full extract um just how most people start and yeah. it was turned out like i think it was a half kit okay. if i remember yeah. right but whatever it was could not be considered <laughs> could, could barely be considered beer and that was kind of the case for i don't know maybe close to at the time, it was like you can play some mental gymnastics and tell yourself, like, yeah, this is pretty good. Um, but uh, I would say probably like it was maybe six months till I brewed a beer that current me would not 
absolutely despise would be like okay that's a, that's a decent homebrew you see yeah, it took a while for, for me to get into the swing of it because it's not at least for me it wasn't really like anything i'd done before i was never like a big home cook or anything like that and but immediately something about it was i could not stop doing it this until i've done it well <laughs> it was the first the first time that that uh yeah that dry extracts heating up on the it was a hard a thing an experience i've never really felt of like this draw to the thing that i i've never really been able to put in great words but it was it was just a very like visceral connection yeah it's almost like a caveman like <laughs> I, I, I created this <laughs> yeah. this this drink makes me feel good inside yeah truly yeah, yeah, yeah. truly it, it, well, about, like the was cool, the first beer you brewed? It was a, it was an Irish red kit. Oh, that's a good um, that's a good starter kit. And and uh, yeah, you know, it turned out halfway decent. I went the kegging route like right away. Like I was telling you before we got on, I, I put a, a homebrew kit in the O line gift exchange when I was out with the Raiders. <laughs> and um, uh, you know, I tried to throw in like a, a, a nice nice kit. I think we had like a five hundred dollar minimum or something like that. And and so yeah. I was like trying the NFL throw, budget. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I was trying to throw in like yeah, it, guys were like laughing when they saw like what I brought in there. You know, they're putting in all sorts of crazy stuff and got a homebrew kit. But I walked away with it. It was kind of the plan the whole time. Um <laughs> but yeah, it had everything to get going. It had the it was pretty basic. It, it just came with, you know, a pot kettle. It had a chiller, a coil immersion chiller and then um you know, a keg and a CO2 tank and all the stuff to get you going. I don't know why I chose an Irish red ale. Like I wasn't like a huge, like Killian's red fan. I don't know. Like, so same. It wasn't any half that I was like, Oh man, I love, you know, it was, I don't know. It was like walk into the homebrew shop. This sounds, you know, this sounds good. I'll I'll try this. Yeah. Well, it's, it's interesting that you say half. I did the Irish red first, you know, first off the bat. And it's like, I think back and it's like, I wonder if you, if I would have picked like a different beer, if I would have ever got into it as much as I did. And it's like, you know, because like a a half Irish red, like those are two pretty forgiving styles to, you know, realize that you just officially brewed beer anyone yep. getting into brewing like do something that you know you can hide behind and, and, and finish your glass and those are two styles that you can definitely get away with some of that yeah that's a really good point um really good point do something that you can sustain and gets you fired up and then you can keep keep getting better and better i would not recommend starting off trying to brew like a huge hazy ipa with no brewing experience that would no i like on one hand it's like well maybe all the off flavors could you know hide behind the hops but i would tend to think you'd more get sort of a porridge of off flavors that would maybe yeah. turn you off from the style period <laughs> unless you're, unless you're like, yeah, and just drink it all within like the first like few days of <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> or you'll have a have brown ale real quick exactly <laughs> exactly what about the brewing process like kind of made you fall in love with it i mean you t- you kind of said that you can't put it quite into words what it, yeah. what it was but what made you kind of stick with it and, and got the ball rolling and you know kind of created that love for beer i think i was kind of subconsciously looking for something like that something like a creative outlet um like at the time i was i was um kind of toying with the idea of switching to like a video major i'd taken some video classes i really liked and was making like uh it was college keep in mind so i was making like a lot of hemp jewelry getting kind of like into that and just sort of a (laughs) bunch of shit like that um and i think it was sort of just the you know when you when you find something at just the right time and it just just catches I, i I liked beer a lot, um, but 
Yeah, I, I, it's, it really is. I think it was just, I was looking for something creative and it ticked more boxes than like anything else I even could have imagined could have, because it has this, I think what appeals to a lot of people and separates beer is, is this junction of unbridled creativity and, and artisticness uh, with very hard scientific limitations and guidelines. Off the top of my head, I can't think of a whole lot of other things that play that same kind of uh, dualistic approach. I think that really hit me because um, I just hadn't really come across anything like that. Yeah, it's tough. And it's, uh, there, yeah, there's like, there's so much fulfillment and enjoyment in it. And then I always like to, like, it was fun those early stages, like being like that guy who was brewing beer in your little social circle. Oh, you yeah. Know, you know, make friends yeah, quick. Exactly, yeah. You know, <laughs> could friends come over, play cards and you can serve your own beer and then like socialize over something that you made. Like not only was it fun to like physically make the beer, but then drinking it with friends and having that whole social aspect to it is, is I think, one of the major things that, you know, kept me doing it. And, yeah, you know, I've been brewing at the homebrew level for, you know, the last decade. And so, uh, you Damn. know, people, people know that I like to brew beer. And so they'll always, you know, kind of say, you know, they're you know, favorite beers or styles. And so I'll be like, okay, yeah. well, maybe I'll try this one. Yeah. You know, it's not one of my favorite beers to drink, but I'm going to try brewing it. And then I find a new respect for that style or that beer. Totally. And then the totally. you know, person appreciates that it was brewed, uh, you know, out of their request and that kind of stuff. And it's just fun. Like it's. Have you ever brewed um, anything for like, I don't know, buddy's wedding or like uh someone's birthday something kind of in that vein no so i was about to i was i was so close to brewing a bunch of beer for an Oktoberfest event that was like a, a a giant uh church fundraiser that we had this year and it was gonna be such a i mean it was like 300 people and it was like i i got i got Ooh, too yeah. i got too freaked out especially yeah. like trying to do like a like a Oktoberfest, like doing like a martin lager or even like a hellas i was like I, I would have to the the most capacity I have is a, a, a 10 gallon fermenter and then two five gallons. So I would, have been, brewing my, I would have been brewing my face <laughs> off and, uh, and it got a little daunting. We have a, a place up North in Michigan the, that we have uh, a lot of people up to, you know, throughout the whole summer. And, uh, you know, I make sure to keep that kegerator flowing, uh, <laughs> all sorts of stuff for, for a, a good summer long party. So, uh, awesome. yeah, that's, that's about the extent that I, that I do that with, but actually circling back to it, uh, there was an auction event for the school that our, our kids go to and that I'm the, the lunch lady at actually, that's my, <laughs> that's my day job. Now that I'm retired, I, I, I run the kitchen over there. I put in two, two, uh, brewing experiences, like get a group, get a group of guys to come over, pick, you know, let me know what style of beer you want. We'll have food. We'll brew the beer, drink some beer. Then I'll can it for everybody and they can take their beer home. And it went for, uh, it, it ended up going for five grand. And then wow. someone, someone said that they'd like to do it if I would offer up another one. So I was able to raise $10,000 off, wow. of, off of two, two brewing experiences. Oh so, my, man, that's amazing. That's so amazing. Be sweet. That, yeah. And I'm looking forward to it. Those are going to happen, uh, at the beginning of November and it'll, it'll be pretty fun. Um, 
and and so it's cool to you know take something that's just a hobby be able to raise money for something and to you know get people excited about it and you know, experience yeah. it because these are you know the, these are people that are going to be coming over that if you know have, have never homebrewed before and you're able to kind of walk them through the brewing process and you know people just you can see eyes light up for the first time when you you're like wait you you do that with the grain and then you get this and you put hot like people yeah. get so you know fascinated with the process of it and uh, you might as well be explaining them alchemy like i'm gonna turn yeah. uh, this wood into gold watch yes me. exactly yeah, kind of feel like an alchemist sometimes yeah that's a it's a good way to put it but yeah man it's 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 fun uh, and you know to be able to have that that social side of it is it's huge for me and to have that outlet you know, now being done with, you know, playing professional football and, you know, settling back into West Michigan and, you know, making friends and being able to have beer kind of still as a, as a cornerstone of, you know, who I kind of am as a, as a person. And it, it, it's a nice way for you to open up to others and, and create conversation and that kind of stuff. And, you know, they, they get to know you quick and it's never, it's never a bad thing when you're the beer guy, you know, it's not, it a, never bad, is. Not a bad, nope, maybe never like if is. you're like in college or something near the beer guy, like getting busted for like bringing the beer over to all the parties and stuff. Maybe that's the only time that's, yeah. you know, it, it's, it's, it's a little bit of a negative thing, but now it's a never, never worked out bad for me. I, uh, cause I was, yeah, it was like, uh, between junior and sophomore years as when I started home brewing in college. And, um, yeah, it's, it's odd, but the, those second two years, I was much more popular than Dude, my first two is, years in college. You, you did it right, man. I wish I would have, uh, I wish I would have started brewing in college and it's funny. Like now, uh, so I went to Hillsdale college. I got the flag in the background there. They mm-hmm. have like a whole like fermentation, like beer fermenting course that you can take there now. And the oh, wow. bio department and cool. I think, yeah, I think one of the uh, professors there is, is, is a really avid home brewer. So, Awesome. I, I know some of the students are, uh, are, are now working on some good stuff. Oh my God. If parties. I, if there was anything beer related, just, I, I can't imagine how appealing even pre homebrewing, it would have just been like, well, great. Like I actually like tangible kind of application of science rather than, um, like a cool application of science. Um, and the same, I, I've seen that more like, uh, actually USM, uh, university of Southern Maine's right here in Portland. And they, have kind of developed one of the better QC departments uh, for beer. Like they're the resource for like, we said we get all our um, ABV testing. Um, if we're looking for anything kind of specific, like like I, we just did a, a, a gluten-free beer for, uh, we have a, a pilot program. So did it through that. So I actually sent it to them to get tested. Um, but it's been same thing. It's all college students working there. There's a di- director of it who's a professor, but I would have just killed for something like that in college. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's sweet too. That's at your guys' disposal for, for, you know, doing some analytics on, on the yeah. beer. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, man, let's let's talk beer at, at Bissell Brothers. Like, what do you guys got? Uh, what do you guys got uh, cooking right now? You know, something that's uh, kind of new and fresh that you're excited about. Um. So a lot of my time is spent we have a, a mixed fermentation facility in uh the town that my brother and i grew up in in milo which is about two and a half hours north of portland uh, about two thousand people there um lowest populated and poorest county in maine um so not on paper a great place to open a brewery um but for me it was like the avenue of i didn't see any real way we could responsibly start doing a lot of mixed fermentation stuff here with just our our space so bringing it up there so a lot of my like 
energy is, is spent up there. And in that regard, we're kind of every new beer is, is, um, at least some, at least comparatively wild uh, to, to me, because it's a lot of, there's only now just getting to the point where we're, we're like rebrewing stuff because it's from brew to actual like bottle conditions done. You're pretty much a year minimum up there, but we are probably going to start um, actually tomorrow starting to, to blend our first spontaneous blend. So I would say on the top of my head, that's probably the most exciting thing. Brewery wide, uh, we just started brewing Swish again. Swish is our, our, a double IPA we do in the winter that just is a really huge beer for us. It, it's still fastest selling beer we, we make by like a, a mile. Um, so kind of crank that out during the winter. That's new. We And then the, kind of that gluten-free beer is probably the weirdest other thing we've done. Um, we have a program where uh, it's called the You Earned It series, and anyone in the company can submit a beer idea. A lot of breweries have something similar, but submit a beer idea, and then uh, one of our brewers kind of helps them see that out on the the big system. All, always a pretty sizable por- portion of the proceeds get donated to a charity of their choice. Yeah, gluten free beer, like I, it's just a a a weirder world than I was kind of aware of for how difficult and just sort of how specific everything is. So that's been really neat for me to see that unfold. Um, yeah. And it, it's interesting that you bring up the gluten-free beer stuff. Cause my wife tries to, you know, she's, she's got some gluten sensitivity issues. And so when I, when I, I don't brew truly gluten-free beer, but when I brew and I'll throw in the clarity firm enzyme, you know, which is like makes it gluten reduced kind of, yeah, yeah. Kind of deal. And uh, yeah. And so, you know, I, for all intents and purposes, it's, you know, gluten free. I actually sent it a bottle of it to White Labs to be tested for the gluten content. And it, and it came back under 10 parts per million. So it was. Oh, man, that's it was really I mean, ours low. was six. Yeah. Um, and we and we like we skipped the grain auger like we were dumping all the the bags in by hand and and we did full bore. So we were really impressed by that. But 10 is. I mean, that's amazing. I was, I was psyched with it and, and it was uh pretty sure it was just Pilsner malt and then some, some oats. I, I love using uh malted spelt. Love, love what that does for Same. Some, some of the hoppy beers. It's, it's yep. super underrated in my opinion. Same. But I, I, I get why you don't see it a lot though. Cause that stuff's a lot pricier than yeah. Than the other yeah. Stuff. And certainly gluten-free grains. That was, uh, yeah. So I was, I was kind of like excited of like, Oh, maybe we can like, you know, it seems like gluten intolerance or sensitivities just is continues to grow. Like five years ago, I would have been like, no, we're not. Thankfully I'm not bothered, never been bothered by gluten, but, but then like, yeah, that I get it because you have to have a, a basically a malt house that specifically malts, you know, millet and sorghum and just only gluten-free, a gluten-free environment. So yeah, it was maybe like three times the price of our normal grain. So unfortunately that, that ain't going to be a beer that, uh, <laughs> we bring into the rotation because uh that i was kind of shocked to see uh like knew it was going to be more expensive but but uh not that much more expensive but economies of scale i guess the more people doing it yeah we just see need, that we, go down we just need uh more millet and sorghum farmers yes and, uh, right. the price will go where down. are they at yeah. <laughs> uh, what kind of what kind of beer did you guys do what kind of style um ip and ipa yep um it was uh and really on those beers i have very little to do with Really, for all the other beers, the recipe is is um, I'd say for ninety eight percent of our beers, like the the recipe formulation is is very much my my world and and something that that um, kind of 
stops with me, but with, with those, you earned a beers. I, Pat are, uh, one of my main brewers and then whoever's bringing the idea to the table kind of, I, they'll use me as a, um, kind of to cross-reference stuff, but, um, I'm very kind of hands-off. So yeah, it was an IPA with, um, Stimcoe mosaic and a new German hop that we've been using more of that. I have really come to like called Kalista. Okay. Um, I call it like, it has like this big Gatorade note to me. There's like this, uh, yeah, just like this. I don't know what, what whatever. What color? What color? Gave blue, but okay. blue Arctic okay. Rush for sure. Yes. Okay, there's Arctic Rush chair, whatever the blue one is. That just sort of like an un. Oh, uh, blue. I think that's Glacier Freeze. I okay, yeah. Yes. There we go. There we go. Just sort of uh, reminiscent of a lot of stuff, but not just one thing, and just has a a blueness to it. But it's it's and it's super low alpha too. So just to kind of, I always like to plug that one because I don't think a lot of people are um, playing with that hop, and I. Why would you at, you know, 3% alpha German hop, yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you'd, you'd figure that's going to be noble, but, um, so yeah, uh, those were the three hops in there and I can't remember the grist, but it was for, obviously there's only so many things you can do with a, uh, gluten-free beer. So, you know, sorghum, um, millet, and I think some flaked oats. That's cool. That's a cool program too. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's awesome to be able to include the staff like that and, you know, have, you know, people know that the hard work's noticed. And, um, you know, it's almost like I got some, you can look behind, I got some game balls on the shelf. Yeah. It's like, it, yeah. it's like earning your game ball. Right yeah, there. totally. Totally. And, um, inevitably like with these beers, you, there's, they end up being styles that I just probably wouldn't have happened. Otherwise, I think the last one was like a very traditional, like English Porter, like 5%, like style I'd like to brew, but kind of like, brown ale it's hard to justify a lot of those um the one before was uh we have a concert not the brewery but on our on the sort of area we're in there's an outdoor concert venue the guy that brewed the last one uh is like the biggest wilco fan ever so they played um there and actually uh basically did like a wilco theme beer for them now i won't say with them it wasn't like (laughs) yeah wilco's my wilco's are buddies of ours (laughs) not like that but um uh, yeah, like a lightly dry hop saison, same kind of thing, just something that the brewer wouldn't make normally. Yeah, which is cool because then it just adds that, you know, just a, another dimension to, you know, what no you guys doubt. are putting out there beer wise. And, uh, you know, I'm sure people are always interested in because I've, you know, gone into breweries and the same kind of thing, you know, where you, you, you can see, you know, one of the staff, you know, they chose that brew. And it's always, I'm always like, yeah, let me try that. That sounds kind yeah. of interesting. Yeah, you know, totally. It's, it's, right. It, totally. Yeah, it, it's cool. I want to touch though. I want to touch back to the uh, to the to the barrel program that you guys are, are running in Milo, and um, you know blending sours and, and all that mm-hmm. stuff. That's something that I've I've yet to do is is brew a, a sour beer, and then the, the blending side of it, like you were mentioning, just seems like there's so much art that goes into that, and, and just incredibly nuanced to find the perfect balance in that sour beer. Yeah. Um, and yeah, as a home brewer, it was never, I think probably for patients, but also just resources. Like there's, uh, a lot of drawbacks to using like small barrels and, you know, and I'm sure stuff you're well aware of, but, um, yeah, it's been very much still an ongoing process. I think we, we started brewing up there in 2000, the very start of 2018. So about coming in on four years under the belt, but yeah, it's, we have a, a dark dark beer barrel program down here, but um, and blending is 
also nuanced, but it's with these very loud components. <laughs> you know, when you're talking about like an 11% stout and an 12% barley wine and trying to do those types of blends, it's still, I would say an art in that sense, but the nuance is, is I think the word that you hit on that I relate to the most. Cause it, and then there's just a lot of imagining because, you know, I don't need to tell you like a beer that is completely still cause it's been in a barrel for a year. So there's like no residual carbonation at 65 degrees. And especially we like to, uh, you know, get that bottle conditioning carb, uh, pretty yoked. So there's just a lot of kind of, filling in the blanks and that's i think the the thing that just there's no substitute for time and experience on it i remember like the first time i heard about like goose blenders in in belgium and thinking realizing that like that was all they did like all you make is this one type of beer and, and blending is like the biggest part of your job understood it on paper but never fully could wrap my head around how that was possible until we started tasting beers and just the yeah, just these these absolute minutia, minute differences between beers and just a lot of fingers crossed on because there's still so many other things that happen for what the finished finished beer is going to be. But I, I would I would say that it's an incredibly useful exercise, I would say, for any home brewer or pro brewer, whether it's even if you're just playing around with blends of like different packaged beers. Um, you can, it can be just absolutely shocking how the, the math is almost like never linear on one component plus one component equals the equal. It never works out that way. And I think that, um, has given me a lot of greater context for just like how beer works, I guess, um, in sort of a, an under oversimplification. (laughs) No doubt, you know, a little bit creative sometimes never have I blended a sour cause I've never brewed one, but it's like. You know, I'll have like two different hoppy beers on tap and you just pour half in one, half in the other. Yeah. It's, you'd be amazed how good that beer is. Like, yep. and like even like my, you know, going down to, uh, you know, visit my buddies down at Arizona Wilderness. Uh, we, we brewed a, a beer together, Tropical Storm, uh, 100% Galaxy Hopped IPA, uh, really good beer. And uh, my buddy Jonathan, who's who's the brewer down, or the he's you know runs the place down there. Uh, he has his like flagship day one IPA, which is Refuge IPA, and uh, I just went up to the bartender. I was like, "We poured me half a Refuge and half a Tropical <laughs> Storm in here, and I just drank those for the rest of the night because it was it was amazing." It's a totally different beer, totally different beer, and it was yeah. a great beer. It added you know a, a nice note to both those beers, and so you know there's 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 something to be said for you know combining different beers, blending them, getting different stuff out of them. But the, the sour stuff just seems like there's so much complexity there there's like i mean sour beers are almost in like a category by themselves like it's not like yeah. if, if if i'm giving a sour beer to somebody for the first time i'm be like don't have it in your head that this is going to taste like a beer like this yeah. is going to be something completely different and, and so i can only imagine just how much repetition and time has to go into that process to, to get good at it uh it, yeah, and I think. Oh, go ahead. No, I was gonna ask. Are you guys like playing around with with fruit and and whatnot when when you're uh, you know working with your sours? For sure, uh, we're uh, not as like not to be on a soapbox at all, but we don't do puree at all. So it's all it's all main local main fruit. I would say the one kind of slightly non romantic thing uh, just from 
just resources and, and functionality. We do freeze everything first because uh, that usually will will be able to get worked on by the beer in a more efficient way. But also just you know we'll probably buy maybe seven thousand pounds of fruit this year between um, Maine's pretty limited uh, in in terms of what you can get. There's a great year for peaches here which I didn't even know grew in Maine until a few years ago. Really good year for uh, cherries as well. A little bit of plums and then uh, blueberries, strawberries, and raspberries. Kind of for the same reason of shying away from puree. It's a few reasons, but it's it's mostly from, I'm like if you're going to go through all this trouble that these beers inevitably take of just time, just resources, and a lot of dump beer inevitably. I, I've never been like, I've never understood why you'd want to wash all that complexity away with um, admittedly like great flavors, like <laughs> like fruit, fruit character in its essence is like a delicious, delicious thing, but it's a loud, a loud flavor. So fruit integration is always like probably for breweries nowadays, I'd say on the more subtle side. With that said, we do use a lot of fruit. Yes. Nice. It, it's funny that you mentioned too the, uh, you know, freezing the fruit beforehand because uh, I've only done one, one beer where I actually like had to add, you know, solid fruit and I did frozen watermelon chunks just in uh-huh. kind of like a Blondale base. Did a hell or high watermelon clone, actually. Oh, cool, cool. And, uh, and How'd that work out, out? It turned out amazing. It was great. It was a great beer. I did it in the spring, so it was uh, it was a great springtime beer to have on tap. It was, uh, I'm for sure rebrewing it. It turned out great. Cool. But yeah, it was, I, I found it interesting when I was looking online, you know, with the going frozen, you know, like you guys said, that you guys work with the frozen fruit. It said that when you freeze it, you know, it, it's able to break down some of the cell wall and, and actually get it so the fruit is is better absorbed in the beer and it made a lot of sense and then i garden i got a pretty big garden in the back so if my kids didn't eat all my strawberries this year i was planning on <laughs> trying to do something with them but yeah understandable that you know they they taste good and uh you know they're i have no problem with them going out there and picking stuff by themselves in the garden so and to be honest uh, they picked a good one they might have been doing you a favor because strawberries um are probably the toughest out of those ones I've mentioned, probably the toughest to translate to beer, especially in, I don't know if it's as, as true for when added to clean beer, but I've heard a few different theories about, it. I don't really know, but there's every time I've used strawberries on, on some level, there's a kind of like toy store kind of aroma, like just a yeah. uh, indescribable plasticiness that can vary in intensity and then when you, you know, bite into a strawberry and look at it and kind of, you get a sense for how much water it really is. Yeah. Um, so in kind of the worst examples, it's like all plastic, no strawberry, you know? Yeah. I think they picked out an okay one to, to take from you. <laughs> yeah. It's a weird, I've only had one beer that has, that had strawberries in it. And I don't know how I've, like I had it the first time and I was like, I don't like it. You know, it seems weird. And then I had it again, like a couple weeks later. And uh, I was like, God, this is actually, this is growing on me. It's better. It was, um, it was so, are you familiar at all with M43? It's probably the most popular hazy IPA in Michigan. Um, um, no. Who is it? From Old Nation, I think is the brewer. Uh, they're in Clarkston, Michigan. Anyway, so they make their, their base beers is M43. It's a, it's a good hazy. And I think it's midsummer. They roll out with the M43 strawberry. Uh-huh. And I was like, this is weird. Like, I've wired people putting strawberry in it. And so it's kind of polarizing. Like, I liked it uh-huh. one day, didn't like it the other day. It, it's, a, uh-huh. it's, a, it's a weird thing. Uh-huh. Like, it, does, it, it just seems like it has trouble fitting. 
Yeah, yeah, I think that's a really good way to put it. And I, I've, I think it, it gets exacerbated with with Nick. I don't know how true this is, but I, I've read a few different places. It's something about uh, Brett will metabolize the the seeds, something in the seeds, and make, and that's where like a lot of that character comes from but you know who knows again it's a clashing of art and science right there. yes exactly exactly it looks good yeah. and your mental tapestry does not translate to yeah. the glass that's encouraging to hear about watermelon though. i've always uh shied away from that because uh kind of for the same for the the water reasons not the the plus but just i've heard that it's just a tough flavor to translate um at any level of intensity yeah, it was it was frozen frozen watermelon chunks. I kind of just used it as like an aggressive dry hop, really. Like cool. only only had it sit on the watermelon for like three days. Picked up great uh-huh. flavor. Cool, uh, awesome. You know, had almost almost grabbed no color at all from the watermelon, so it's still uh-huh. poured and you know nice you know bright straw color to the beer and uh-huh. really subtle but refreshing it, it turned out great cool i was hoping this uh not to get too too off uh, off the rails but i was hoping this year i never got around to it this summer but as kind of an alternative uh to actually use cucumbers and cherries to kind of approximate the watermelon flavor um but i guess it'll have to wait till till next year but cucumbers are are shockingly translatable to beer not yeah, see that's uh, what that's what i should have done because i my cucumbers went nuts in the garden this uh-huh. year, and i couldn't even i couldn't even keep up with with harvesting them so ne- that's that's my plan with the cucumbers next year and you got those michigan cherries you know yeah dude i, I know i gotta man i gotta gotta pick up some slack yeah. yeah, it sounds like you really need to pick up some yeah. slack. What am I doing? What am I doing right yeah. now? This is this is lunch really lady, former NFL player, rabbit home brewer. No, it's 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 all good. It's fun. I want to hear about the uh, the double IPA you guys have rolling out that you said is like gets gets the people going. You said it's uh, it's one of your best selling beers. Like dive into that one for me. Yeah, um, so that's called Swish. Um, a lot of people think the name the the logo doesn't really indicate like anything either way, but naturally, especially with the winter thing, a lot of people think that it's like a basketball connection. I'm like, okay. at a lot of sports, but I'm like Pete and I are both the basketball gene definitely skipped our, our family. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Good, decent athletes otherwise, but so it has nothing to do with that. It's actually kind of a real deep cut trailer park boys reference um, to sort of like this, if you know, you know, kind of thing, but that beer, uh, at the time kind of calling back to earlier like used to when we first started like hop contracts were still a very hard thing to get so like citra mosaic those hops were sort of like pipe dreams almost is how they felt still and even when we we're commercially brewing and then the first year that contracts finally came around where we could do that that was the first first beer we we did it was like literally i think the tagline we put on was like the double ipa we had dreamed about because that was really true it was uh in a lot of ways like something we wanted to do yeah. for so long we made um, it yeah truly um yep and uh so that beer that beer's honestly changed less than most of our beers i would say like i say i'm a cereal tinkerer but not a whole lot's changed on that comparably but um Pretty equal parts, Citra and Mosaic, then maybe 20% Simcoe. Oh, earlier it was about 10, 15% Apollo as well, just to sprinkle in some Dagnus, but we've we've phased that out of there. So just those three hops, 
almost exclusively golden promise for the base malt and um yeah just yeah just a little bit of flake wheat so it's oddly for how popular it is quite simple for really in in terms of how we in relation to our other beers we do production meetings every tuesday and and lately we've been making a point of uh just opening one of our beers and drinking it together it can be easy to almost kind of take for granted that you your understanding of all our beers but then sometimes you're like actually i haven't had you know this one in in years um so we drank swish it was the first uh first one of the season and yeah it was hard to it's one of those million little things i think kind of kind of thing that that combined to just make a like versus our other double ipas there's it's not a great descriptor but it definitely fits in this there's just a, a smoothness to that beer and and cohesion i guess of those those components that i can't really i can only take so much credit for because at a certain point there it is kind of that that x factor brewing in the first place just that that ability to kind of strike upon feels like magic almost at some times but yeah eight percent um our yeast uh eight percent is about the upper range that we can reliably ferment so it's there's a a, quite a bit of alcohol or tolerance issues after that point and also like that's you learn pretty quickly. You can't just the the idea that you just brew what you like to drink is definitely a myth. Uh, it is a business, and you can be informed by what you like to drink, and hopefully you can uh, brew a lot of those. But it, that can't that can't be the definitive factor. So, like for me, I'm not reaching for a lot of eight percent beers in the first place. But yeah, in terms of some double IPAs, I'd say yeah, pretty pretty restrained. It's about double dry hopped. Uh, I'm trying to think. Uh, it's maybe four and a half pounds total per barrel. Um, so also like high, but in relation to some other, like a lot of stuff, and we're really good friends with the, the folks at Trillium. So a lot of their double IPAs like are, would almost like laugh at that, that hopping rate. So yeah, I, I don't know. It's a special beer. I don't know how much uh, I can, I can stake the claim for, it kind of just feels like falling into, falling into magic, you know, but with that said, Citra and Mosaic are pretty hard to screw up also. Well, there's got to be like some nostalgia with it too. Like if it's like a seasonal release and people get excited about it, like it's, you know, it's always cool when a beer brings energy. Absolutely. Like, like it's not just, you know, a delicious thing to sip on, but like, man, people are getting excited about it. Like yeah. there's a buzz. Like it may, that's like, it makes it, it's just another element of fun. Like, and on the flip side of, uh, you know, how beautiful Maine is in the summer and Portland is you know, by nature, uh, there's not a lot of seasonal people that live here, but in terms of just our volume as a business, it's extremely seasonal. So we brewing it only in the winter is definitely intentional in the sense it kind of gives uh, a reliable amount of that in the times when it's kind of hard, hard to find that when in, you know, when it's negative 10 in Jan on a Wednesday in January, but Hey, bring a swift release out. You can get some people there pretty quickly. No, I bet there's not a lot of surfers in the water on those days. Um, uh, you'd be surprised that it's actually like, you have to be a badass. but, uh, my wife surfs in the winter. I don't surf at all, but I main, um, the, the waves are just a lot better in the winter, but you know, comes with the downside of you have the Atlantic Ocean yeah. in uh, the middle of the winter. So yeah, I'm I'm not that interested in surfing, it, but uh, you would be character. surprised. <laughs> yeah, 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 a lot of character. <laughs> hey man, you got a passion um, for something. You got a passion for something. Yeah, yes. and more power to you. More power to you. All right, Noah, I got I got one last question. It's uh, it's your last night on Earth. The apocalypse is imminent. 
you got one beer to drink that final night can't be your own beer, but it can be as many of, of as this one beer that you choose as possible. You can have no hangover the next day. Well, if it's my last night on earth, then there's definitely no hangover. Yes. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm going to go with um, Terra's Bulba from uh, De La Sense. It's a Belgian pale ale. And talk about magic of beer. I mean, on papers, it's like an extremely simple beer. It is It is sort of with, with a hoppier, drier, almost sort of like a... There's definitely like Pilsner, Pilsner influences to it. It has a cleanness that you don't see in a lot of Belgian beer. But yeah, it's a little bit of a cheap answer in the sense that like, it's definitely like a common like brewer's beer that like, but I, since you, the only reason I don't drink that all the time is that it's just, A, it's expensive comparatively. You know, it's like a 12 ounce bottle is like four or five bucks just from the importing and all that. So there's that, but also you just, there's not a steady stream of it anywhere. But when I do see that on tap and I'm, you know, maybe I'm going somewhere to have a few beers, like I will never cease to be amazed by how quickly that goes down and, and how there's just no fatigue of when I'm leaving, it's like, I have to go, but like, I could sit here and kick this keg. It's like a, it's like a bag of Doritos. To get oh my like, God. Yeah. It's just going. endless. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I would say that beer it was a uh, close second would be, uh, uh, just a classic goose from uh, Drifont to name, but I feel like the there's still a little bit of you know have to be in the mood for something that complex. Yeah. But there's never been a moment in my life where I wouldn't happily take a a Terra's Bulba. Dude, I'm gonna have to find some of that now. I don't think yeah. I've ever had it. I don't think I've ever had it. I gotta. I yeah, gotta it has. Uh, if you search it, it'll come up pretty quick. It's a very distinct label. That's kind of weird, but um, but yeah, I bet uh, I bet the the folks at uh, Vivant know all about it and can okay. probably tell you yes. uh, yeah point you in the right direction perfect well I, I appreciate you coming on noah what's the best way for for people to follow along with what you guys are doing at bissell brothers um i would uh certainly instagram is is nowadays probably the easiest way but um in terms of on the the more kind of intimate level um a co-worker and i have been doing a podcast ourselves for over two years now called graining in um kind of focuses on definitely rooted in beer but i personally get the most enjoyment talking to kind of people outside of it um, but just sort of about uh what what makes you excited about this thing you're doing and and uh yeah just kind of granular stuff on that um yeah, but yeah awesome. beer set beer rooted but broader than that but yeah i would uh i'd be remiss to not plug graining in Sweet. Yeah, that's uh you guys send the uh, that's so that, that makes that t-shirt make sense that you sent over with the uh, And I also speaking of that t-shirt, I didn't realize you were six eight. I looked up on Wikipedia, I was like, oh, that probably doesn't fit this. No, man. that's it's it's money. That's a great t-shirt. Soft, okay, soft okay, touch. Okay. It's nice. Yeah, it's, okay. it's great. I appreciate it. Okay, cool. Well, Jared, uh, this has been an absolute blast, man. I uh, really appreciate the time. Yeah, I appreciate your time as well. I got to uh, make it out to Portland, Maine. and, and Yeah, let me know. Spot. I'll be here. I will. I will. I'll let you know, man. It's on the list. Cool. It's going to happen. Cool. Yeah, put right. it in the world. Yeah. Nice talking with you, brother. All right. Cheers, man.